0: Good afternoon, Grant Cohn, riding solo today. Uh, It's Thursday, but the Niners play on Saturday, so they just released their game status report. And there's news, so I'm going to go over the news of the day, and I'm going to go over what's on my mind, and then we'll break and go have a nice Thursday evening and watch Thursday Night Football? Perhaps. First news of the day, Javon Kinlaw is expected to be activated and expected to play Saturday against the Washington Commanders. This is tremendous news. I was thinking the Niners would slow play it with Javon Kinlaw, but it seems like their attitude is if he's ready, he's ready to go. So he's ready. That's great. Now he'll have three games to finish the season to get ready for the playoffs. Uh, Good news. I mean, not sure what the Niners... I'm really curious to see how they use him. Does he start? Does he play all the snaps? Two-thirds of the snaps? One-third of the snaps? And then I'm curious to see how he... you know. Rotates in with T. Y. McGill and Kerry Hyder and other guys like that. But uh, good news for him personally. Good news for the Niners' defense. Although the Niners' defense has been utterly dominant this year, whether they've had Eric Armstead or not, whether they've had Emmanuel Mosley or not, like it's great. It's another another player that they add to the team. Um, but it feels like they could lose three or four guys in this defense and still be completely dominant, which shouldn't happen in today's NFL. I don't understand. Uh, but what a great story for Javon if he could actually finish the year like healthy and making an impact. That would be another great story. Brock Purdy's a great story. What about the Javon Kinlaw redemption story? He's been injured essentially, according to the 49ers, since the end of 2020 when they played in Dallas. So he's been trying to rehab for two years. And now he's healthy. He's as healthy as he's been. He's ready to go. Wouldn't it be cool if he could actually if it if it all worked out like it's working out, if he ended up having that the happy ending that Brock Purdy seems to be having. I mean, he's been he's been through it, right? Um, we all know Javon Kinlaw's story, so I'm rooting for him. And it's interesting, like, imagine if Kinlaw had been here all year and Mosley too. The Niners defense is like unfairly good and it's still down two starters. Anyway, looking forward to watching Javon Kinlaw play. Another injury news. Jordan Mason is questionable with a hamstring injury that he suffered Wednesday in practice. This is interesting. They didn't rule him out, but a hamstring injury, and it only happened yesterday. I would be surprised if he played much. I know they love him on special teams. They don't seem to trust him much as a running back, even though he's averaging like a million yards a carry. I'm not so sure that he's going to play in this game. Um, 50-50, maybe maybe worse odds than that is what I would think. Uh, I'm thinking, okay, so it's Wednesday. He pulled it. So that's Thursday, Friday. Three days later, he's going to play a football game. It's kind of dangerous. Here's the thing. What Kyle Shanahan said yesterday is in this situation where there's nothing to really play for with the last three games, you don't sit starters. But if there's a question, Should I play them or should I fight through it? Uh, Should the the player play? Should the the injured player sit or should he fight through the injury to play? He should sit. He should not fight through any injury these last three weeks. So if Jordan Mason has an injured hamstring, there's no reason for him to play in this game. The Niners don't need to win it. They'll probably win it without him. They only give him four carries anyway and he's a special teams guy. So if I were the coach, I would be real careful with Mason and not play him. What makes uh, this complicated is Mason was supposed to be the uh, the person who gives Christian McCaffrey a breather. And now, forget that. So, do you go back to using Christian McCaffrey 800 times a game? No. This means that you gotta give Ty Davis Price a shot. Um, he played early in earlier in the year. Injured his ankle immediately. Got a high ankle sprain. Didn't really play particularly well. I guess he deserves another opportunity, right? He's just a rookie. We've seen a lot of uh, Niners rookies look... Bad early on and then blossom and have really good careers. Maybe he'll be one of those guys. Although, frankly, I'm not real high on Ty Davis Price. Never have been. Haven't seen much to change my mind. Maybe what the Niners should do here is use Tevin Coleman. I mean, he looked okay earlier in the year, as a receiver at least. I don't know. Anyway, it seems like Ty Davis Price is going to get some opportunities. And all of a sudden, it's interesting This is a very interesting uh, matchup, so you don't have Jordan Mason this week who's just been your, I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, He's been your run game. When, when when, When nothing else works, Jordan Mason can give you five yards of carry. Without him going against this very good defensive front of Washington, if the Niners' run game doesn't work and Washington can put everything on Brock Purdy in the passing game, that's not good. That's that's a situation the Niners do not want to be in. They don't want to turn him into a drop-back passer who's trying to come from behind and can't hand the ball off. Because right now, Brock Purdy's been an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo as a play-action passer. But as a drop-back passer without play-action, Jimmy's statistically better. Stronger arm, quicker release. So, uh, Niners got to find a way to run the ball consistently. And I don't know that that's handing it off to Christian Caffrey a ton of times and even McCaffrey hasn't been super consistent with the Niners. He's been held in check by a few teams not because he hasn't played well. So, this is very I'm intri- not intriguing, but this this could really impact the game. And if the Niners end up losing to Washington, which I don't expect them to do, you could look at this injury right here, Jordan Mason. I'm really curious to see what the, what happens to the Niners if they can't run the ball. What what happens when they go against a team with a big D-line that can stop their run game? The not their running backs, but can shut down their offensive line and, and really create nowhere for the running backs to go. Well, we could see it this weekend. And you know, is Brock Purdy good enough right now to win that way? He hasn't really had to. He's been even though he's been very efficient with great numbers, he hasn't thrown for more than what two hundred and twenty something yards. He hasn't been the driving force. He's been the cherry on top. Um, might not he might have to be the driving force this weekend. Who will be the last person activated off IR? Mitchell. Mitchell. Probably not Trey Lance. This pretty much ends Trey Lance's season. Happy holidays. I will be at the game this weekend. Hope we blow the commanders out by 20 plus. He put 10 bucks on it. Hope you have a good time. I Hope you have a good time. Traverius Ward. Traverius Ward. Also on the injury report. Concussion from last game, questionable. The game was a Thursday nighter, so it's been more than a week. And when asked where Traverius Ward is in the concussion protocol, Kyle Shanahan said at the end stages of it. So of the two questionable guys that really most impact the Niners, Jordan Mason with the hamstring injury and Treverius Ward with the concussion, if I had to guess, I would say that Traverius Ward has a better chance of playing simply because... It will have been about nine nine days since his concussion. And I think that's, if he's passed all the tests, that's probably a, a prudent amount of time for him to sit out before coming back. No one will acu- accuse the Niners of rushing him back. And if he's healthy he's, and wants to play, then he's, you know, allowed to play. Also, he practiced all week. So I'm thinking Traverius Ward probably will play in this game, which is important because Washington has two good wide receivers, including Terry McLaurin, who is really good. And he could be on the Niners right now, but the Niners drafted Jalen Hurd, not Hurts, Hurd ahead of him. And now, at the time, I like scary scary Terry McLaurin. I I made videos about it. One of the few things I was ever right about. Anyway, Traverius Ward could probably shut him down, though. So if he plays that's big deal. If he doesn't play, he might not, I don't know. All of a sudden the cornerbacks would be uh and that's another thing, right? So Kyle said, "Hey, if it's questionable, if it's on the fence, we want to be careful with our guy." Well, if it's if they're on the fence with Javarius Ward and they don't he ends up not playing, then the starting corners are Deamador Lenore, and Janoris Jenkins because Ambry Thomas is injured too. So, really, if Ward and Mason don't play, this game becomes kind of interesting. If they do play, the Niners should win comfortably. But without Ward, you got Lenore and Janoris Jenkins out there. And knowing D'Amico Ryan's the way I do, the way he seems to think, he's not going to be aggressive in his coverages if those are his two corners. He's going to play off. He's going to play zone. And Taylor Heineke could nickel and dime the Niners defense all day and a bad quarterback could end up completing 75% of his throws. We've seen that happen to the Niners sometimes. So, again, I think Traverius Ward probably will play, but the Niners have very little to play for. Maybe they'll be careful in which case this game gets interesting. All right. um, I made a video about this earlier. I asked D'Amico Ryans yesterday about the quarterback scramble. I like D'Amico a lot. He's not really... His temperament is like a player. He was a player in the league a few years ago. He's like Patrick Willis's age. He's young. So when you ask him a... When I ask him a question that's at all critical about his defense, the look on his face, he he looks like he takes it personally. Like he's on the field with them. So when I said, you know, your defense really has very few weaknesses, if any, but if there were one Achilles heel, it would have to be defending the scramble on third down. The look on his face, like... He wanted to be like, really? Really? We have an Achilles heel? Are you sure? Are you sure? I don't know. I mean, he might feel like, you know, happens to all defenses. Quarterbacks get loose on third down. You can't stop them all from scrambling. Uh, Why are you picking on my defense? I got the best defense in the league. Clearly, it's not killing us. We're fine playing the way we are. Of course, all those things are true. All I'm saying is, it would be a shame if this particular issue cropped up on a big play in a big game and it was one of the reasons why the Niners didn't win the Super Bowl this year because all it has has to uh, do is happen once at the wrong time. So I'm trying to figure out a better way to defend this because I feel like the Niners are really bad at defending the scramble. Worse than most teams. Maybe statistically I'm wrong on that. But here's what I see from the Niners. It's gone back to when Robert Sala was the uh, coach of this team. And I used to talk to him about this directly. He would explain to me the issue with defending quarterback scrambles um he said it all starts with the defensive ends once that defensive end rushes past the quarterback if you can visualize it so far upfield he's past the quarterback well the quarterback all he has to do is step up and run through that huge b gap and there's really no one to stop him who's going to cut him off at that point he, he doesn't have to run to the sideline first he doesn't have to run sideways and then up he just, just go straight up field and then bounce outside and it's very difficult for someone to come all the way across the field and stop that. So really, the way to keep the quarterback from scrambling, first and foremost, is to have the defensive end be disciplined in his rush and not rush past the quarterback. If you can do that, good things happen. So last week against the Seahawks, they gave up that one 18-yard scramble to Geno Smith on 3rd and 13, and it all started with Samson Ebukam rushing past Geno. You know how the Niners like to do it. They'll have a 3-by-1. Set with one D end over here and three guys over here, and maybe like you know Fred Warner lurking here and another guy lurking over here. Six potential guys, you don't know who's coming, and they have this blitz where five guys come. But pause, they have this blitz where five guys rush. You saw Justin Fields do that; uh, that was hilarious. And really, nothing really happens. Like a mush of four rushers on one side, and then Samson Nebuchadnezzar rushing past the quarterback, and then it's just a a, a freaking. Super highway for the quarterback to leave. And even a guy like Gino, who's not super fast, can take that. So uh, it seems like getting creative with all those blitzes doesn't really matter if you're just going to let the one defensive end on the outside run past him. So what I'd like to see is just play man coverage. Just tell that one defensive end, Ebucom, to run inside, not outside. Take the B-gap. Force the quarterback immediately to run out to his right, and then you can have Dre Greenlaw blitzing, you know, keying on that. Sorry, I made you guys laugh with that one. Uh, <laughs> I had to say it. I mean, if there was ever a moment for a pause. Is I, look, if you want to see what I'm talking about, Coach Noah Johnson DM'd it to me. It was just a, It's a video on YouTube of uh, University of Georgia, how they defend their approach to third and long. And it's like they want to be a two-man man, a two-man coverage, two deep man coverage underneath, and a four-man rush defense. I mean, that's what you want to do on third, on third down. That's the best coverage. If you can play that, you're really tough to beat on third down. Just a four-man four rush with two deep safeties and man coverage anywhere else. No one's open. And if you can get pressure with four, the guy's screwed. What, what's the best way to beat that two-deep four-man under? I mean, two-deep four-man rush. Scrambling scrambling because you got all those cornerbacks with their back to the quarterback scrambling so what do you do well what Georgia likes to do is take that defensive end on the left run him rush him inside collapse the pocket immediately and then that way the quarterback can't step up and out he would have to to scramble he would have to run to the sideline and then upfield and you're telling me a quarterback's gonna do that faster than dre Greenlaw runs straight at him not going to happen and you can vary who is the guy that's assigned man to man to the uh, the quarterback on that play, but I think that's a much better strategy than whatever the Niners are doing. Giving up the B gap, don't give up the B gap. I almost feel like I should say pause after that. Don't give up the B gap. Don't just give up the B gap. Please pause. The C gap is much better. Just saying. That's my two cents. Just trying to help. I'm not saying do the same thing every time on third down, obviously. But this is a something to throw in there. It works for Georgia. <laughs> don't give up the B-gap. All right, this is interesting. This offseason, the, the plan at center was strange to me. It seemed like the Niners knew all offseason that Alex Mack was not coming back. And they didn't want to say what the plan was. We, we don't know about Alex Mack. Yes, you do. You know he's not coming back. And then... They didn't really want to say it, but I think the plan all offseason was Jake Brendel's going to be the starting center. And I don't think they wanted to announce it because probably it would have brought on a lot of criticism and questions, but they were quiet about it. They made him the center. There wasn't a competition and he's been, he is a pro bowl alternate. Wow. He's actually playing pretty well. Free agent this upcoming year. I know my dad said we can't do any hypotheticals and we can't look past the season, but sorry, dad. I'm curious. This Jake Brendel thing is very interesting to me. Is this the Niners' center of the future? It's his first year as a starter. I think he's 30 years old. Went to UCLA. Bruin. Smart guy. But now he's a free agent, and the Niners, you know, they're going to have to give Nick Bosa an extension. They're going to be spending money. And are they going to spend money on a Pro Bowl alternate center in Jake Brendel? It's possible. But I think it's also possible that he just priced himself off the Niners. Remember last year, uh, Tom Compton stepped in, about thirty year old journeyman, becomes a right tackle starter for the forty ers and like holds his own and the Niners go deep and they can run the ball behind him and he has some nice blocks and all of a sudden he gets signed as a starter by some other well, Denver for making three, four, five million or something like that. That could happen to Brendel, where he ends up leaving the Niners and signing somewhere else because some team is envious of what the Niners can do with journeyman and probably won't get the same results that the Niners did with him. But I think it's interesting. Are the Niners already planning on him leaving? And if so, are they they preparing his replacement? It seemed like the best thing to do with offensive linemen, unless you get studs in the first or second round, is to sit them a year and and, uh, build up their strength, because those D linemen in the NFL are really tough. And so maybe they thought, Jason Poe is the center of the future. Nick Zakel is the center of the future. They mentioned those two guys as potentially having some center versatility. So I, I don't know what the, the plan is at center. I don't know what they want. I, I think that could be the plan because they don't really have the high draft picks to just draft a starting center next year. And if you're taking a center in round five, he's going to have to sit for a year like Nick Zakel or Jason Poe. So it seems like either the starting center next year is going to be one of those two guys or they'll re-sign Brendel. Um. Hey, if they want to spend like four or five million dollars on a one year deal for a, for an offensive lineman, make it be Brendel and not McGlinchey, please. That's all I got to say. If you got to choose between one Brendel and McGlinchey, they cost the same amount of money. Oh, sign Brendel. He's better than McGlinchey. Better than McGlinchey. I, I'm cool with them re-signing Brendel. Actually, I think he's pretty good going to talk about this particular matchup in a minute. Actually, in a second and a half. No, four minutes. Did you see the stat about teams that played the Niners are 1-12 for the next game? Who do we not want to see in the playoffs? Yeah, I did see that stat. The Niners are really, really, really tough. Who do we not want to see in the playoffs? Philly. Philly and Kansas City, they definitely don't want to face the Chiefs in the Super Bowl because it seems like Andy Reid with two weeks to prepare is just impossible to beat. So those are those are two. Although Buffalo and Cincinnati, any team with a really good quarterback would be better it'd be better not to face them. <laughs> Cuz we've seen what bad quarterbacks look like against this defense. This is interesting to me. The Niners have been starting Spencer Burford. He's a rookie offensive lineman they drafted him in the 4th round. He looks like he has a bright future. But he's a rookie. He's very young. And rookie offensive linemen almost invariably are not quite strong enough to hold their own in the NFL. You could say he's, I'd say he's holding his own. The Niners are, I've won seven in a row, so he's holding his own. But at the same time, he's like in a platoon and he's rotating with Daniel Brunskill, who, I don't know, I'd like to know what you guys think. I think Daniel Brunskill is better than Spencer Burford. I think the run game works better on the right side when Brunskill's on the field. I think the whole offense works better when Brunskill's on the field. And I don't understand why they benched him. He was a quality starter at right guard last season. He's been on the team for a long time. And he's in his prime. He's a vet. And they pretty much benched him. He was hurt most of the offseason. But he's healthy now. And I don't see how the offense improves with Burford in there. Now, I know he's got a bright future. Like, Brunskill is gonna be gone most likely next year he's a free agent so maybe the Niners are feeling like I don't know if we don't play him we'll like lower his value maybe we could but it doesn't seem like I don't understand what they're doing with him I guess playing Burford in, sets him up for the future but you're trying to win the Super Bowl right now do you have a better chance of winning the Super Bowl with Burford on the field or Brunskill because I, we've seen this with the Niners before where the season will be going great and all of a sudden they'll get to the fourth quarter of a close game in the playoffs and their offensive line falls apart. Particularly right guard, right tackle. Right guard, right tackle. Um, it's, it's an issue right now. They can't run to the right. Every single run is to the left, it feels like. Uh, but what's going to happen this week against a Washington team that is just freaking loaded on the defensive line? Loaded. Like to see. So that's something to keep an eye on. Not sure what the Niners are doing here. I think they're trying to have like have their cake and eat it too. The fact that they keep playing Brunskill shows you that they that he's good enough to play. It kind of indicates that he's better. The fact that they're just putting Burford out there because what? He's the future. He's almost as good. He's might improve. I don't know, man. Seems like maybe they should just play the best player at right guard. Then you got Mike McGlinchey. The Niners are an interesting team. They're not spending a ton on quarterbacks. They're really loaded at every spot on their roster, loaded at D-line, absolutely loaded at D-line. Maybe even more loaded at linebacker. I mean, they have maybe the best linebackers in the league. Secondary has uh, two pro bowlers, (laughs) wide receivers, the running. I mean, the whole team is really freaking good, except for the offensive line. I mean, the left tackle, hell of a player. Left guard, Young and promising, center, surprisingly solid, right guard, a platoon, and right tackle. It it seems to me that a team as good as the 49ers should have a better right tackle than Mike McGlinchey. I mean, nothing against Mike McGlinchey. I guess he's a starter in the NFL, but it seems like he should be starting for a team that's not as good as the 49ers. The Niners are way too good to have one starter that's starting not because of injury. He's starting simply because the Niners drafted him in the first round four or five years ago. Uh, And a lot of the time he gets let off the hook. Like last week, Seattle doesn't have much of a pass rush. Or, I mean, they didn't in that game on Thursday night. Maybe they were tired. And and people forget that Mike McGlinchey, like the bad plays out there waiting. This week, though, against Washington, it could be bad. I mean, they got Chase Young coming back. They already have Montez Sweat. All you got to do is get Mike McGlinchey one-on-one and third and long. And Now, the thing about Mike McGlinchey, in a sense, he's on the best team for him. Because the Niners are built to just get a lead and then go really slow on offense and be in third and four and run the ball. And they're always running away from him anyway. They're always doing play action. They're very seldom in situations where they're losing. They got to throw. It's third and nine. Like That's where McGlinchey loses the game for you. That's where he's the weakest link and you can't win. Sometimes. But the Niners are just like they're so good at basically working around him that it doesn't crop up, but on third and long, if it happens against this defense, watch for 69. I mean, even last week in one of his better weeks he had a holding penalty. So watch for 69. If you see the flag, I still don't, it just seems like look look at Philly. Philly and the Niners are really similar. They have the same I mean, Philly traded up for a quarterback, right? Philly traded a lot of picks for a quarterback who went to North Dakota State in 2016, and it didn't work out. And I think they felt that giving him the keys to the franchise like that created a sense of entitlement and it made him hard, made him kind of uncoachable. They moved on. And now they sort of fell into this philosophy or structure where they don't. Spend much on quarterbacks at all. They spend on the rest of their roster. They got a, th- a second round pick at Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew, who makes like two million dollars a year, and that has allowed Philly to put together the best roster in the league. um The Niners probably the second best roster because they have this. They've fallen into the same roster building uh construct. They traded up for a quarterback too. Maybe they feel they made a mistake there. I don't know how they feel yet. It's too early to see to say, but. Now they got a cheap quarterback, and they're trying to carry him by spending on the rest of the roster. The one difference between Philly and the Niners is that while Philly has a great D-line like the Niners, Philly also has a great O-line. They really value that position. They have great tackles, plural. Guards, plural. And centers, plural. They have one of the best centers in the league, and they spent their second-round pick on a center this year just to have a guy ready in the future whenever whenever that's necessary. So um, I'd like to see the Niners— like follow F- Philly's lead and get a really freaking good right tackle this off season not Mike McGlinchy I think the Niners are so far beyond the Mike McGlinchy level um good guy though I mean I understand why they like him but how about someone like Caleb McGarry How about Caleb McGarry he's going to be a free agent this off season the Niners are going really cheap at quarterback. They could they could uh, afford Caleb McGarry. He's one of the best right tackles in the league. Now, they should have Tristan Wirfs. They, they could have drafted Tristan Wirfs. He could have been the right tackle on this team. If they had Tristan Wirfs right now, they would be the best team in the league. But they don't. They have Mike McGlinchey, and McGlinchey's going to have his biggest test of the year since week three against Denver when he got smoked. So, curious to see what happens. I think he's mostly going to be facing Montez Sweat. Who's a hell of a player. All eyes on Big Mike. Brock Purdy is garbage juice? Really? I don't think so. I don't really think so. Uh, One more thing I want to say. Hold on. Uh, The next 49ers. I would like to see the 49ers. I want to see the 49ers draft another quarterback this year. Bill Walsh said you should draft a quarterback every year, and I think that's a good strategy. I think the future of the league until teams fi- more teams figure it out is not spending on quarterbacks. You want to have the cheapest quarterback rule. You want to have three quarterbacks who are making about a million dollars a year. Three. Not two. Not one. Three. And uh, the Niners have one, Purdy. They have a second in Lance who is more expensive than that, but still cheap on a starting quarterback spectrum. You make about $8 million a year. A third would be nice considering the Niners are in their third string quarterback right now. Uh, and I think... Everyone's gonna be looking around the draft Like who's that experienced quarterback Who's a little bit smaller Who's probably gonna go in round seven Who could be the next Brock Purdy Yeah, that's me too I'm looking for the next Brock Purdy And I'm sure a lot of people have suggestions Four-year starter It used to be if there was a four-year starter Who was like six foot one In, in college football He was just written off Like we, you have no upside We don't want you now It's like That's exactly what we're looking for So I have a suggestion, and I'm just going to freely admit I don't watch that much college football because I have a life and a wife. And if I dedicated both Saturday and Sunday to football, I would be divorced, and I don't want to get divorced. So I watch – I pick and, I pick my spots. I, I, I uh, scout players after the season, um, and I watch some UCLA – I'm allowed to watch UCLA football because my wife went to UCLA with me. We go see them when they're in the Bay Area, and so we've both been watching Dorian Thompson Robinson for four years. I've seen Dorian Thompson-Robinson play a lot of football, and everyone's looking at him as being like a nice potential backup who'll probably go between rounds five and seven. Perfect, I think the Niners should draft him. They have a bunch of late-round picks. Uh, you don't want to bring back Jimmy Garoppolo. He's about six foot one. He's a, a lot like Brock Purdy in terms of stature. Started four years at UCLA. Played under Chip Kelly, uh, which means that he could be in a much better offense here. Um, accurate, completed sixty-nine percent of his throws this season, which is nice, nice, also very, very athletic, ran for 600 yards and like 11 touchdowns this year, Um, really, he's like Jeff Garcia, in my opinion, just great in chaos, creates chaos, thrives in chaos, really good at scrambling, Um, he's a lot like Purdy too, Purdy's kind of like Jeff Garcia as well, so I don't know, maybe, maybe the Brock Purdy effect will push quarterbacks like Dorian Thompson Robinson up in the draft, Or maybe he's just sitting there for the Niners in round seven. They should take someone in round seven because you can't have enough of these million dollar quarterbacks. You can't have enough. You never, I mean, the Niners can't keep any quarterback healthy. That's enough reason. That's another reason to draft a quarterback. But if you're looking for one, I suggest DTR simply because I've seen him play a lot and he's good. And he sort of checks some of those Brock Purdy boxes that everyone's looking for. Now, I'd love to know if you guys have some similar quarterbacks that you like. Josh Wyatt says this is actually a huge game. It's the first time a quality defense has a chance to game plan for Brock. If they win and look good, it means the Super Bowl is realistic. If Brock struggles, it's trouble. I think it's a really good point. If they win and look good without Jordan Mason, that'll be impressive. Because it's it's entirely possible that Mason doesn't play. The Niners' run game isn't dominant because they're not willing to give Christian McCaffrey 35 carries once they've already I mean given that they've already locked up the the, the playoffs. The whole thing, they they become a one-dimensional pass-first team, and Mike McGlinchey gets whooped. Spencer Burford gets whooped. You know, like, who knows? That could happen, and then all of a sudden, Brock Purdy looks like Nick Mullins. Who knows? Who knows? That could definitely happen this week. It's a huge test for the 40, and you could say it's the biggest test for the Niners' offense since New Orleans, everyone's really, really praising the Niners' offense recently and talking about the the, the CMC effect and how much more points they're scoring with him uh, than before they had him. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's true. That's true. But I seem to remember about a month ago when the Niners had all these players and Jimmy Garoppolo was playing at a super hot, high level, and they scored 13 points at home. So since then, they really haven't faced a great defense. They faced Tampa, but Tampa was exhausted. Washington could be exhausted, right? it's a short week, they're on the road, they played Sunday night football, Washington could be tired, and maybe this isn't the test that we think, but if they're revved up, they got a lot to play for, are the Niners gonna like lay a 13 burger, that's not, people don't say that, but you know what I mean, Saul Goodman, Saul Goodman, I like that show, says if BP wins uh, Super Bowl in nine, (laughs) there was a moratorium on hypotheticals, Saul, did you not watch, the show my dad, if Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl and the Niners decide he's the future, they should trade Trey Lance in the offseason and use his and Jimmy Garoppolo's cap savings to build even more around him. Um, I'm actually not opposed to getting as cheap as possible in the quarterback room, and that means not having a backup making $8 million. But the Niners invested too much in Trey Lance to sell low. You could argue they never should have traded up three first-round picks for anyone, ever. That's probably a fair thing to say. But they did. They did it. The trade is done. They drafted Trey Lance. I, I don't think it makes it any better to sell low. I don't. Because even though he's expensive for a backup, if, if he's Purdy's backup, even though it's all seeming like seeming like you messed it up, what if you send him somewhere else to a competent organization that does it right and he becomes the player you thought he'd be? Then, it, then it's even worse. Then it's compounded the issue. So I don't think the Niners can do it. We'll see if they do. See what they get. I don't think you get a first round pick. I don't get you think you get a second round pick. To me, if Bill Walsh were coaching right now, someone like him on another team would be looking at the Niners thinking, "I wonder if I can get Trey Lance from them for a second and a 4th Isn't that what Isn't that what Bill Walsh traded Tampa for Steve Young? Remember cuz Tampa had Vinnie Testaverde and they kind of liked Vinny. And, and Steve didn't have instant success with Tampa, right? So Tampa was like, you know what? We're going with Vinny. Maybe that's what would be kind of what it would be like if the Niners just decided to go with Brock because he had a little instant success. It's not all about instant success. Nothing against, I'm not saying Brock's Vinny testaverdi I'm not saying that, but that's what happened in Tampa, right? They made a bad decision based on, you know, a small sample size of results on a bad team or whatever. Picked the wrong quarterback, sent Steve Young to the C, to the Niners uh, for pennies on the dollar. Steve Young was a, like, the top pick. He, he got like the highest free agent contract ever in the USFL. He was a big deal. Went to Tampa. They didn't know what to do with him. Then just cast him off to the Niners so he could become a Hall of Famer. Is that not what happened? So I'm thinking a smart team is looking at the Niners like, oh man, maybe I could offer a second and a fourth for Lance. I wouldn't do it. I don't want to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that scenario. That's the Tampa, that's Tampa's, that was Tampa's legacy before they won the Super Bowl with John Lynch. John Lynch saved their legacy. <laughs> they would have just been the team that traded Steve Young. Wow, I just one on a long rant right there. Sweat is gonna cook uh, injury like fried chicken. Why injury? But yeah, uh, what's the news on Trey is gonna be active for the playoffs? No, it's gonna be Mitchell. Dude, the Trey Lance story is the biggest mystery of all time. I don't really understand it. Uh, someone said that the best guess is that Kyle wanted Mac Jones, traded up to number three to ensure that he'd get him, then was informed by the entire world that he would not be allowed to draft Mac Jones with the third pick because it would be insane, which it would have been insane. They could have, If he wanted Mac Jones, he could have stayed at 12. So he traded up to three, probably thinking he wanted Mac Jones, got vetoed by the entire world, picked someone else, and probably never had his heart in it. Then he ends up this year with Brock Purdy, who's better than Mac Jones. And now you wonder, well, what's the future for Trey? I don't know. That's my best guess. Keep Trey Lance, trade Kyle Shanahan, Oakland, Denver, Carolina. One will overpay. (laughs) You know, that's crazy, man. Uh, I do feel like D'Amico is going to be a really good coach. I think he's going to be really, really, really good. I could be wrong, but I think he's going to be really good. And my question with the Niners this year is how many coaches could do a better job with this team than Kyle's done? What are they? 11 and four, something like that. 11 and four. No, 10 and four. I think other coaches, I think a lot lot of coaches could be 10 and four with this roster is all I'm saying. What would D'Amico be with this if he were the head coach? I don't know. What would Fernando be with this if he were the head coach? Tell me that. All right, guys, that's the show. Thanks for watching. Uh yeah. Go watch Dorian Thompson Robinson highlights. Tell me he's not the truth. Tell me he's not so good. Quality control, baby. I'll be back tomorrow. Who?